I walked through a county courthouse square On a park bench an old man was sitting there I said, your old courthouse is kind of run down He said, no, it'll do for our little town I said, your old flagpole has leaned a little bit And that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it He said, have a seat And I sat down Is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. Everybody. You see, we got a little oh, hole in that flag hi. there. Wait, uh, righteous, awesome, from. cool. What's up? I was trying to think of American ways to say hi. Hola. And there it is. What's up? Everybody. Hey, I don't know. Diaz. No. What's happening? Hi, I'm everybody. Well, it sounds like it was racist somehow. I'm going to have to edit that out. It probably was. But then again, what isn't? Hello, everyone. How are you? That's rhetorical. You can't actually answer me, but I still care. You could press pause and think to yourself, how am I? And figure it out and then press play again. That might be a good self-reflective exercise to do at a moment like this. Just don't get distracted and not come back. That would be bad. I have to stop and ask myself how I'm doing a lot these days. Well, not only only how you're doing, but what are you doing, and what are we doing, and why are we here, and why should anyone be this? Who are you, by the way? Um, Well, I'm I'm a podcaster, right, today? That's what I am. I have so many hats. Today, I'm Jay of the Pop and Jay Show. I'm a... Awesome. Sounds like a cool show. It's a father-daughter talking show. It's just crazy. There's so many podcasts. If you're here, we're glad you're here because you, for whatever reason, want to hear our perspective. Maybe you're my great-great-great-grandkids listening to this, or maybe you're somebody right now in the year 2020, and God love you if you are listening right now, and you want to hear our perspective. What is our perspective, you might ask? Well, Mm. it's a mix of uh, a California teacher, that's me, going against the grain usually in a lot of issues as far as um, politics out here goes. Uh, yeah. A poli- police officer from Nevada, that's him, my dad. And oh, we like me. to talk and talk about philosophy. And, you know, I did uh, go to college and get a bachelor's, two bachelor's degrees. And you want to know what they got me? Uh, they got me warning about what's happening right now because we're going to talk today about the insurrection is the word I believe you like to use that's happening in this country right now. And I've seen that writing on the wall since I was in college. So I'm so glad I'm $50,000 in debt that I knew this was coming though. But Hey, maybe the Marxists will relieve me of this debt. Oh, that's one of them. That's what they do, right? That is one of their promises. I think pretty sure. Among many others. You are super educated mostly self-educated and uh that's something that people don't even like know how to do anymore like people i feel like really need to take more time to think and to slow down and to read and right now the most important thing i think they can do is study history so i think we're going to talk a little bit about some historical 
facts about this great nation, the United States, and how it is under attack by people who, well, they just think they're the smartest thing in the whole world and no good virtuous human beings ever existed before 1960. Even then, I mean, it's the history of now. And today is day one and year one. That's true. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I think history is really important. I didn't get a whole lot of that. Actually, I was an English major, so I really wasted my my money, my time. But uh, well, it's it's actually funny. uh, A point worth mentioning is history is is really not been taught very much in the last probably thirty to thirty to fifty years. Uh, You kind of went to the social studies route instead. Uh, I remember when I was in middle school. Uh, that's when the big transition was happening and social studies was coming out. And in a lot of schools, it just flat out replaced history. And it went to social studies. And in social studies, they would talk a little about some parts of history, I guess. But if you want to study history, all you have to do is pay attention to what's happening now because we are reliving history. And that old saying about those who fail to learn history's lessons are doomed to repeat them. This is exactly what's happening right now. Those of you listening who do know your history are very, very in agreement with me, very clearly in agreement with me, because that's what's happening. Yeah. And it's hard to know right now if you are preaching to a choir or who is the choir. Is there a choir? Has the choir left the building? Um, The choir is not allowed to sing at our parish right now, so... Maybe it's coronavirus. Why there's no no. What I mean is, is there anybody out there who feels the way we feel about what's going on? We've never really seen people get shut down this much before. Um, you and I have been, you know, following politics for so long and so many elections that have been so contentious. But this is like really crazy. And I know there's a lot of things happening at once, like. And in case you're somebody who, like, discovered this podcast in an old iPod in a time capsule, like, on another planet, hmm. well, what are we talking about? It's June 2020 on the planet Earth, and stuff's crazy. They are ripping down monuments in America in the name of, quote-unquote, racism and Black Lives Matter, supposedly. But, you know, it's pretty obvious what's going on. This is the destruction of the United States as we know it. And so is there, are there still people out there who agree with us? Yes. You say yes, right? The Senate majority still well, out I, there? I, I don't think it. I know it. Um, even just anecdotally, I can tell you, I've shared some with you guys with the family, but <clears throat> people are literally going out of their way to uh, tell us. And by us, I mean first responders, police officers, uh, how crazy this is and how they how they really, really appreciate and support us. And that's really good to hear right now because if you just listen to the media and see what's going on out there, you would think that <clears throat> the entire world has lost its damn mind. But well, well, so yeah, 
so like on our last episode, we on civil unrest, we talked about a lot of this stuff, like the the, yeah. the rioting. I wanted to talk a little bit about the well, it's it's the premise that they've set forward that racism is is a real big problem right now. What are your thoughts on that? You've been alive longer than I have. What do you think about racism in our country? Well, uh, I think that no nation that's ever existed has done more to make up for transgressions in the past. It's not even close, and it doesn't take a degree or anything else to see that and realize that we've fought we fought a civil war where 600,000 Americans died. And that was in large part because one side wanted to free slaves. Um, Immediately following that war, our government, which now is being called systemically racist, uh, got its act together and passed along with the people, by the way, not just, takes a lot to get constitutional amendments done. Mm-hmm. And and they immediately set about changing some of the existing structure that was definitely, uh, if not racist, uh, geared against black people uh, in this country. And if you can show me a time in human nature or human history where individual humans were not guilty of things like tribalism and racism, and then you can't show me that. So there's no point in even saying it. Like I think you said on our last talk, uh, it's really about individuals sinning and individuals doing acts of this or that, but no country has done more to fix things and, and make things the way they're supposed to be to, to the point where when people say systemic racism, it, it's absurd because every Jim Crow law, every, you know, all that stuff that used to exist is long, long gone. Uh, we elected a, a president who was half black twice, twice, not once, but twice. So, there's, the American population is about 13% black. So obviously a whole lot of non-black people voted for Barack Obama. Right there, that that's huge evidence of it. And as far as systemic... And if you didn't of, vote for Obama, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a racist either, we might point out. The point, I think the, the point <clears throat> of him is just that, of course, there's no question of him you could be whatever color, you could be whatever nationality, you could be whatever gender, and raised to any level in this country. We have countless examples of everybody doing everything. I mean, this country is so free, and the injustice police, or not they would hate to be called that, the the injustice collectors, or yeah, I guess that's what we're calling now. I, I, I hate that, though. That, that lady did something stupid, and it shouldn't have been, like, a big public thing, and it's, like, totally now, like, the biggest... Whatever. Anyways, yeah. 
Well, well so I, the reason why I ask you that is because also I know as a, as a Marine, you were a Marine for a long, long time, and then you worked in federal law enforcement. Now you work on a local level. You've worked, I'm sure, with countless people of color. Yeah, and absolutely. I I can't imagine anything more unifying. First of all, I know it to be true because I grew up on a military base. I've been telling my husband lately, man, I wish we could raise our kids on a military base <laughs> because it's just different. Like you have a unif- you're you're united by something, and the whole country used to be unified by many things, including the love of the military and stuff, but especially on a military base. And color of skin, like the. So right now, you know, out there they're trying to make you, me, people feel that it's not just that you are quote unquote not racist, but are you anti-racist enough in the correct way? What are you doing to further the cause? And as we said in the last episode. I can't meet them with the premise that the country is systemically racist to begin with. But I can't deny the fact that it looks like a lot of people feel something about this country because we have this really, really bad um, insurrection happening right now. So that's where we're at. Well, And we have the 4th of July coming up. So I did want to get this episode out because... I love this country, and it's like the scariest time ever to say or think that that I can even imagine. And I, and like you said, I do imagine. In fact, like I think you said, let's we should talk about parallels to other historical revolution, or I wouldn't call it revolution. I'd call it a. I guess it is. I don't know something. Well, if you frame it, you said so many people feel something. Um, yeah. If you if you if you are raised from the time you're a small child, and your teachers and everyone around you is telling you one thing, one narrative, they're telling you you can't succeed. Don't even try. Uh, this country's against you, and that's the message that you hear, like from the time you're old enough to even have conscious memory. Then of course you're going to feel something very bad. And people tell you instead, hey, you can do whatever you set your mind to. You just have to work for it. And is everyone granted the same level of uh, opportunity and I hate the word privilege, but whatever. No, they're not. But there are more examples than you could even think of of people that rose from nothing to something pretty good. And I don't mean you have to become rich. Just just to have a powerful and fulfilling life. It doesn't matter where you came from. The, the statistics are ridiculously clear. If you graduate high school and you don't have children out of wedlock at an early age, you're going to succeed. You're going to be economically stable you may or may not be rich, but you're going you're going to have a good, decent, a powerful life. Whereas if you go the other route and you're told from day one that everything's rigged against you, it's all rigged against you, um, as if there's some some giant 
like monolithic thing that's pulling levers and 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 putting blockades in front of people. Are there blockades and obstacles to success? There definitely are. Um, and almost every single one of them, without exception, can be overcome. And if an obstacle is so great that it can't be overcome, then maybe you change your destination. Uh, if you just can't can't become a, a brain surgeon for whatever reason, then maybe you become something else. But there's just so much opportunity. And this place is called the land of opportunity for a reason. And it's not like someone throws opportunity out. Are some people born with a silver spoon in their mouth? Yes, they are. Um, they definitely are. Uh, but the vast majority of successful people in this country's history were not. They were not. They wanted it. They went after it. You think of guys like Henry Ford, and they, they went after it. They, they had a vision. They had courage. And they had a work ethic. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was racist. I'm pretty sure I heard for sure bad things about him. Well, there's only one way to there's only one way to tell for sure is has his statue been uh, pooped on and burned yet and tore down. Well, and and here's the point: he may very well have been some had some issues or whatever him and everybody else because we're all human. So the the, the to me the biggest problem right now is. It's just, it's the same as how we say, so we've been canceling people on Twitter or whatever. Comedians have felt it really hard, you know, everybody. Um, yeah. If you find, if you find something that you've done and now we're just carrying that over through all of history and we're trying to look at people as if we're some kind of like, and definitely not me because I'm not one of the chosen elect like them, but whoever they are on the left um, they, I, it's it's like what I said last episode. The the audacity to be able to look at people, like I said last time about cops, but now look in history at people like George Washington, the, probably the greatest president we ever had. I mean, the things he did, the the province on his side, the faith he carried himself with, the perseverance, the intelligence, the courage, the conviction, the everything, every virtue you can imagine. And did he have some flaws? Of course, because all human beings do. So we're going to tear down everyone who had flaws. Anyways, obviously, that's madness, but the, the madness is here. It's at the door. So you share with me Pop, what, what do you see as a big parallel to other um, so-called revolutions in history? What's going well, on I right think, now? I think, I think the one that the thing that makes this particular insurrection um, unique is that they have been slowly working at it for about fifty years now, fifty fifty-five years. Um, they've been putting all these mechanisms in place. They've been patient. They read their Das Kapital. They read their Communist Manifesto. They studied Mao, and they saw that in order to get to the to where they wanted to go, they first had to do some. One of the things they had to do 
was begin a cultural revolution. And that that was very, very clearly part of the plan. And so what did you start seeing in the late 60s and into the 70s? You started seeing the, quote, sexual revolution. So now we're trying to take the culture, and they cast aspersions on the way America was in the 1950s where the nuclear family was together. So first they knew they had to go after the cultural part. Then listening to Vladimir Lenin, uh, the, you know, very proud uh, Bolshevik revolutionary, they went after the children. And Lenin said, you know, give me them when they're young and I'll have them for life. <clears throat> so what did they do? They started attacking public education. The Department of Education didn't exist until the mid-1970s because there's nowhere in the Constitution that gives the federal government any sort of charter or power or anything when it comes to education. But here comes the Department of Education. Ronald Reagan tried to get rid of it, and he was unable to. Uh, he did put Bill Bennett in to try to at least manage the the madness, the madness of one centralized government entity uh, dictating how children are educated. That's a local, that is a local thing. And if you, if you doubt me on this, go ahead and go on your capitalist uh, iPhone or smart device and just look up uh, an eighth grade uh, exam to pass eighth grade from the year 1910 versus one now. And there are, I would say, maybe 5% of college graduates that would be able to pass that exam from back then. Because that's when it was local. That's when it wasn't about, it wasn't about anything except reading, writing, arithmetic, history, the actual education. So they attacked education next. First they went after the culture then they went after the education. And what do kids hear? You know this better than anyone. You're a public school teacher. Um, it's, it is not hyperbolic to say that public school is really indoctrination in a lot of ways. Uh, there's so much that's taught that has nothing to do with education as much as it has to do with indoctrination into a mindset. Uh, like a preordained cookie-cutter mindset. So that's one that they learned from the Bolsheviks. And so they've got the culture. They've got the education. They, they still don't have the means of production and all of that. But look what starts happening really heavy-duty into the 90s, and that's this crony capitalism. Um, look at how big corporations used to always be, oh, Republicans love big corporations. Well, all the big corporations now, which I can't think of any exception, they are all headed by progressive leftists. They support left-wing Democrat candidates, all of them. Um, and the reason that they do is really sinister, because think about Walmart, for example. Walmart is all for things like, oh, yeah, let's uh, – Let's go ahead and do that uh, enforced minimum wage thing and because they know they can weather that storm and it's going to drive all the small businesses out of business and therefore help them. So they're gladly in bed with the government on this. So now they've got they're, – they're going after the corporations. They're getting them. So they are finding their way to controlling the means of production. 
controlling commerce, all of that. Look how far they've come. Look how far they've come. Big corporations are cowering right now. They're all, they're all on their knees, literally on their knees to the, you know, the mob, if you will. Um, that's Wait, another I have a, mm-hmm. I have a, so we're talking about the youth, right? We're talking about getting them young and, and into college as well. I think this is a good segue for us. We have, we're going to take a very special pause to call someone from the youngest generation right now. Are you ready, everybody out there? We are going to have a special guest. Oh, my Lord. Mm-hmm. It's a surprise for you, so hold on. It's a surprise it's a, for me. Is, <clears throat> I'm saying, oh, yeah. Was, yeah. Was, Alara, are you still there? Yeah. Okay, hi Alara. We have here Alara Thomas. Hi Alara. I love, uh, I love uh, America and I'm glad that that, that, that you created me in, in America. Oh, that's so sweet. You love America and you're glad Jesus created you in America. That is the best thing we could have had for this episode ever. I can't think of anything better. Thank you, you Alara. What are you doing today for dinner? What are you going to have for dinner, Alara? A honey cake. Ooh. Is that a St. John the Baptist honey cake? Yeah. Oh, oh yay. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. That's wonderful. Hi. Is that Zoe, too? Okay, well. Grandpa Pop, wait, Grandpa and I have to go finish uh, doing our podcast, but thank you so much for calling in. Thank you, Laura. Love Love you. you. Go ahead. You hang up the call, okay? Wow. Okay. This is one of those real, one of those real moments, folks, in podcast land. Uh, That was a total surprise to me, and wow, I'm speechless right now. That is Alara Jean. My beautiful, amazing four year old genius granddaughter. Yeah, she's pretty that's true, she's pretty smart. Okay, we don't have a lot of time left because my own children are calling me already. So okay, okay. you we've so gone through the Bolsheviks, we've gone through the education. What yeah, next? let me so so what's next is you have to make people forget history in the past. You have to change history. This is true in most any revolution that was ever done, especially successful. Think about the French Revolution. Look what they did. Oh, my good Lord. Think about what the Maoists did. Think about what just the Bolsheviks tearing down everything in Tsarist Russia that that held any connection to its path. This is what's happening right in front of our eyes right now. Um, What do we have to look forward to? What's next? Well, if we of do course, nothing. they still don't have the probably the most important part of any revolution. They don't have the firepower yet. They don't have the firepower yet. There was a prominent Democrat politician last week that called on the U.S. military to think about uh, overthrowing President Trump. And in fact, the Democrat candidate from his basement uh, – Sleepy Joe actually said he thought that when he when he won the election, Trump was going to 
stay in the White House, and he was going to have to use the military, was going to have to go and drag him out. So you yeah. think their, their sights are not set right now on getting that firepower? Because they know where they're at right now is, okay, so we've, we've got all the kids because we totally destroyed education, totally. Kid, the kids don't know anything. They're just dumbasses. Uh, mm-hmm. So they got the kids. They, the culture, are you kidding me? Our, our, the family unit has been so, so greatly damaged and destroyed. Um, that cheap, you know, look at all the pornography, just just the social ickiness that we have now. And look how fast we got there. So they got that. They got the culture. They got the kids. They're working hard on the firepower. They're, they're working really hard right now to make us afraid of our own history, to make us voluntarily shun it and say, well, uh, I guess if that – thing right there makes someone Rhode Island is changing the name of their state they're changing the name of their state they're they're voting to do that right now that's a thing that's happening Mm -hmm. yep I don't know anything about their founder road no (laughs) no um their official name um Excuse me. They're, the the name of Rhode Island is Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. That's their their long official name. Just like there's the Commonwealth of Virginia and um, states oh, through okay. their own history. Well, the the plantations part has nothing to do with the slavery plantations. In fact, Rhode Island is a northern state, and they didn't have slave plantations and all that. But hmm. what the 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 Ostensibly, what the governor is saying is some people have told her all of a sudden, by the way, Rhode Island's one of our youngest, our oldest states, but all of a sudden, some people have told the governor that uh, it, makes them, it makes them feel bad when they see that word on their paycheck if they work for the state or on any state documents that it's really triggering them and making them feel bad, and we can't have that. So... Now, why was this never once in history ever brought up before? I don't know, but it's a thing now, and so they're going to change the name of the state. And statues are coming down. They took down Teddy Roosevelt uh, from his own museum. Ulysses S. Grant. They're after Lincoln. They're after Lincoln. Lincoln freed the slaves. They're after him. Grant defeated the... Union. I mean the the Confederate, right? Am I? I nope, you're 100 right. And that's my oh. point, Jeff. That's the whole point about the history thing. Is it's not about Black Lives Matter. It's not about racism. They're in full insurrection mode right now. 100 percent full mode. And and they have to erase the history. They have to do it. It's one of the pillars they've got to do. Well, so, real quick, before we move too far on, I'm, I don't want to, I'm already doing a lot of uh, cutting and editing and stuff in this episode, but I there's one little, in case anybody out there is like, um, Black Lives Matter, they do. Like, you guys are just completely wrong about this. Of course, hmm. why can we not get along with that idea and just say, yes, I agree, Black Lives Matter. So, you know, what's the big deal about this group? Just so you know, the as the great one, Mark Levin, I just listened to him talking about this. 
we're not talking about lowercase BLM here. Of course, black lives matter. All people matter and black included. And if there was something systemically going on, I could even get behind something called that, I guess, which, but regardless, the capital BLM is a specific group founded by specific human beings. And it's three women. And I just wanted to real quick play a short excerpt from one of the leaders and founders of Black Lives Matter to show you in, in their own words, they are in fact Marxist. They, they've got big plans here. And it's not about what many good-hearted people think it's about. I also think that it might, um, I think of a lot of things. The first thing I think is that we actually do have an ideological frame. Um, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists. Stop. We are trained Marxists. We're trained Marxists. So what I've been saying probably for years now, is true. They're not hiding it. It used to be part of their mission statement. Their anti-Semitism, the BDS, they're not hiding it. Uh, Israel's an apartheid society. They're not hiding these things. Go. We are uh, super uh, versed um, on sort of ideological theories, and I think that what we really try to do is build a movement that could be utilized by many, many black folks. Okay, so there she says, Wow. She she says, we're trained Marxists. Like, that's what they are, and they're trained in... It is. So, in this group, and what's happening right now, and the... Um, oh, what's his name? Sean King? One of the other, like, supposed, mm-hmm. like, heads of this tearing down all images of Jesus where he appears Caucasian, I guess, or light skin, yes. because that's just impossible. Okay. <laughs> that, that seems, yeah, that's, that's good. So, um, all stained glass windows, all churches, you've got to wake up people out there in America. Don't be asleep anymore because we're so nice and we're so good hearted as conservatives, and we just want people to like us, and we don't want people to be upset with us all the time, and we we want to do what's right. That's, that's what we are. We want to conserve good things and be good people and get rid of bad things when bad things happen, and that's not what's happening right now. Sometimes we also have to stand up, and if you think of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbits, you know, yeah, they wanted to just stay in the Shire, but when there's a threat at the door, you've got to do something. And I guess every four years it sounds like this, but this is just more. It's a lot it, more. It is a lot more. Um, speaking of that group, you can go there yourself, go to their official website and see their founding. And those, those women you talked about, they're members of the LGBTQ community. And the primary driver behind the founding of that group was to push uh, trans women of color and LGBTQ people of color. That's like their charter. They talk very little about, uh, you know, slavery and police violence and stuff at their founding. It's not, it's just not a thing. (laughs) And yeah. Okay. So, we are almost out of time, and I know we didn't get to the half of it. We have morons 
comparing Colin Kaepernick to Pat Tillman. Um, we have a lot of things that are that are wrong right now. What about what's right? What is worth preserving in this great nation as we go into Independence Day, which is going to be well, a strange Independence Day? In, indeed. So I, a quick quote from Socrates. Um, it's in the Credo, by the way. He said, zeal is invaluable if a right one. But if wrong, the greater the zeal, the greater the danger. And that, to me, strikes home of what's happening right now. Our, our founding uh, people, the American Revolution, had great, great zeal uh, for their, their cause, if you will, and what they were, what they were fighting for. Uh, and by the way, they were fighting for something, not against something. Um, the zeal now is, it's, you just look at it and it's mindless. It's, it's just sort of like a public rage. And of the, of a hundred people out at a riot, five of them have very clear thoughts about what they're hoping for. And the other 95, they're, they're just like there because social media said this is, you know, thing to do. And you juxtapose that with, with our founders and like those men that, that signed their name to the Declaration of Independence, that was a death sentence for them to, to sign their names to that. Any one of them that was would have been captured by the British would have been hanged on the spot. Um, they knew very well what they were what they were getting in for and they did it voluntarily and they had great zeal for their cause and they knew very clearly what their cause was. They they spelled it out in that document. Have you seen any such document for this insurrection? No, there's not one. It's just, it, this is a burn, burn the world. The world, just burn it down. And these are the foot soldiers of the people who do have a clear-eyed vision. They have a clear-eyed vision of the 10 planks of uh, communism. They have a clear vision of remaking America, but first it must be burned down. Doubt me if you want. That's not my opinion. That's what's happening. Um, but America is not going anywhere. It's going sideways right now. It's not maybe going forward the way it always has for the moment, but it's not going anywhere. They're not, they're not going to succeed here because America is an idea. And regular people are watching this, and a lot of them are scared, and a lot of them aren't speaking up. And a lot of them maybe even are kowtowing to some of this, <clears throat> but in their hearts and God willing in the election booth, unless, oh, unless they get their way with the mail-in voting, in which case, forget it, uh, mm -hmm. that then turn out the lights, last one out, turn off the lights, because uh, once they can rig the elections, it, it really is over. But uh, anyway, regular people and the idea of America is not going anywhere. It's just not. Our founders were so clear-eyed, and, and our founding documents, the Federalist Papers, read them, people. They're awesome. They're not that long. They don't take that much time to read. They, they, sat, they had very clear discussions back and forth about and if you think they And if you think they weren't in their hearts, many of them, struggling with the fact that slavery was going to be something that was still allowed at the beginning of this nation, you're wrong. They, they, our founders had very, very strong convictions, many of them against slavery. And it wasn't something that was just unique to America. It was, it still is around the whole world. 
it was everywhere and it was such a way of life that our founders at least were smart enough to give us our constitution in the way that it was so that we could amend it when the time came, which it would and which it did. And, and by so the way, that's many- what that that by the way is what Lincoln said. Lincoln actually explained how our founders laid the groundwork for us to end slavery. Yeah. They, so and and I also want to say that I think it's pretty obvious if you're still struggling with which side to be on or maybe this side is not so bad, they have good intentions. America is built on so many things, but one of the biggest things to me when I think of the word America is creation, creativity. Individuals yeah. can create and do whatever. This side is set on destruction, destroying, tearing things down. Yep. That's not in any way a traditional American value, nor is it a virtuous one, nor is it anything anyone should be looking up to. If you find yourself at a, at one of these rallies or seeing it, God be with you, because it is it is really, really, really dark stuff out there. And I saw the writing on the wall, like I said, long ago in college. This is, this is like you said, this is nothing new. So, anyways, I have to get going here pretty quick. Let's let's get one more word in there. What do you what do you got for us, Pop? Take us out. Yeah. Well, here I, I just wanted to end with uh, systemic racism, and I've been thinking a lot about this. And I have to, I think now, admit that they're really truly has been systemic racism, and it is 100% by the Democrat Party. They have systemically kept people of color and low-income people down, and they have kept them down because the only way for them to get votes is to keep those people down. Look right now, people, as just go ahead and look on the news and tell me which cities are burning. Tell me where all of this systemic racism it's happening. It's 100% in cities that have been controlled by Democrats for half a century. And if they really cared about it, if they really cared about it, why have they not taken care of the problem? Why are their poverty, poverty and crime rates so much higher? Because yes, where is their utopia? They... Where is the one that, whatever the, the, where is their shining city on a hill they want us to follow them over the cliff into? Where is a, a Republican hasn't been elected to city office in Chicago for 50 years, not one, not a city councilman, nothing, nothing. And if in 50 years they had complete iron-fisted control of that city, why did 106 people get shot over Father's Day weekend, 14 dead, including three children? That happens every weekend in Chicago. Strictest gun laws in the nation, 100% controlled by progressive Democrats. Explain that to me. This is a rational question. What is the answer? The answer is to gird your loins, people, and get ready to start stepping out there. And I know it's scary because they're very loud and they're armed and you don't, like, when I think of the Trump rally and how less people went than anticipated, I think good-hearted people are scared to go out right now, the virus. and But then also, mm-hmm. you don't want, like, they're, it's really scary. They're shooting people. They're burning things. Yep. But we need to back our law enforcement, call our congresspeople, 
Call our local officials. Do not allow this to happen in whatever capacity you can anymore in your city. We have to do what we can for, in the ways that we can. And if that's just your voice calling in and, and letting your local officials know and, and your state officials know that this is you do not support this. This is not they need to be there to protect your national monuments. You can ask them, what are you doing to protect our, our national monuments? And I'm very proud of the the governor of South Dakota um, yeah, coming out uh, uh, to protect Mount Rushmore. And we need to we need to support our elected officials when they do things like this. We need to obviously vote in the right way, but don't be don't be fooled. One, one, last, one last piece of empowering advice to everyone, myself included, and we, we can't remind ourselves enough of this. Pray, people. And when I say pray, I mean be specific in your prayers. Always pray for virtues, of course, but pray for other people. And the people that you should be praying for right now are our leaders, of course, but you need to be praying for all of those people that are out in the streets right now doing things in a mob that they would never do. If they were alone, you need to pray for their souls, pray for them to have a spiritual and intellectual awakening, pray for them, pray for them to be able to get past this, whatever they're feeling right now, and get back to being good humans that God created all of us to be. So pray and remember Joshua 1 verse 9, I command you, do not be afraid. That's what God said. That's what he means. We you can't let fear lead you. So pray, people. Pray and be brave. Pray for America. Pray for America. All right. Keep moving forward. Not backwards. Back. Not God bless God America. Bless. Mm. And God bless everybody. I don't like to brag. And Alara, thank you we're so kind much. of proud you, Hey, Jay, love you, Bye. Bye, you see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it got powder burned the night that Francis Scott Key sat watching it right and say, can you see? And it got a bad rip in New Orleans with Packingham and Jackson tugging at its seams. And it almost fell at the Alamo beside the Texas flag, but she waved on, though. She got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville, and she got cut again at Shiloh Hill. There was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard, and Bragg, and the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag. On Flanders Field in World War One. She got a big hole from a Bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War II. She hung limp and low a time or two. She was in Korea, Vietnam. She went where she was sent by her Uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the briny foam, and now they've about quit waving back here at home. In her own good land here, she's been abused. She's been burned, dishonored, denied, and refused. And the government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land 
And she's getting threadbare and she's wearing thin, but she's in good shape for the shape she's in. Cause she's been through the fire before. And I believe she can take a whole lot more. So we raise her up every morning. We take her down every night. We don't let her touch the ground and we fold her up right. On second thought, I do like to brag. Cause I'm mighty proud of that ragged old 